The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the show for a Thursday change of pace for the game on Saturday for the Wildcats. And we'll talk about the matchup now with North Carolina with Mike Pratt when he joins us here shortly. Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated and Keith Farmer, one of the co-hosts of the BBN Tonight Show and the anchor on WLEX TV here in Lexington. So that's our guest lineup as we roll right into the Wildcat news of the day. And Kentucky's opponent for Saturday has been changed. Wildcats, as many of you know by now, are going to take on the North Carolina Tar Heels. Same time, 2 Eastern up in Cleveland. Carolina's ranked 22nd in the country. And so they face the Tar Heels instead of an unranked UCLA team. The move was made... (coughs) Excuse me. Had a cough, got choked up. Um, to more closely align COVID-19 testing protocols between competing programs and their respective conferences. That's according to a UK release. So Kentucky um, faces a Tar Heel team that is uh, considerably younger than UCLA. Uh, I would think more talented overall. Uh, so we'll talk about this when Mike joins us. Tar Heels are 4-2, and two, but their only losses were a two-pointer to Texas and a 93-80 loss to Iowa, and both Iowa and Texas are, I think, top 15 in the country. So looks like on paper to be a tougher matchup for the Wildcats. We'll talk about that coming up here in a bit. 18 new signees for Mark Stoops and his Kentucky football program that were announced yesterday. Stoops said he expects to sign a few more. Also, they're keeping spots open for possible transfers. Uh, They did get word on a transfer yesterday. Uh, Justice Dingle, brother of uh, Jordan Dingle, the tight end from Bowling Green. Justice is transferring in from Georgia Tech. He's a linebacker, so uh, should give uh, should fit into a good spot where Kentucky could use some help on the defensive side. Uh, there are reports that JUCO linebacker Joko Willis is not going to follow through on his commitment to sign with Kentucky. Also, there are reports that Brian Hudson has entered the transfer portal. Linebacker, or excuse me, an offensive lineman from Virginia Tech who played at Scott County and was heavily recruited by Kentucky out of high school. Went to uh, Virginia Tech and uh, was on the Tech team that lost to Kentucky in the Belk Bowl last year. So um, maybe Kentucky gets involved with him. The UK women suffered their first loss of the season. Ninth ranked Kentucky falling at number 24 DePaul yesterday, 86 82. Defensive breakdowns were the issue for Kentucky in this one. DePaul shot 50% from the field, scored 50 of its 86 points in the paint. Uh, So Kentucky will try to get back on track. I think it's Sunday when they take on Wofford, and then after that they will move into conference play after uh, a break of more than a week. The NCAA's D1 Council has approved immediate eligibility for transfers. Now, for Kentucky athletics, it means Jasmine Massengill 
the uh, transfer from Tennessee, one would assume, once this all gets finalized, would be able to uh, start playing for Kentucky. Uh, otherwise, I think, you know, for the men, everybody's already been approved. Just serves to underscore why it took so long to approve some of the transfers. Now, again, all of them were not NCAA-related issues like uh, SAR, where it was more of an SEC issue, but still, everybody knew this was coming. James Young has been signed to the Knicks roster. Initially, it looked like he was going to their G League team, but he's signed to the full roster for the Knicks. So uh, it becomes the latest Wildcat to join the New York Knicks family. Um, they also signed uh, Scalabissier, but um, and then immediately waived him as part of a deal to enable him to join the Knicks G League team, as was uh, expected with Young as well. But he's going to be with the big club. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios for this Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Mike Pratt will join us. We'll come right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. On this Thursday edition of the Leach Report, and we head to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Chat with Mike Pratt, who will be with me on the call of now Kentucky and North Carolina on Saturday. So uh, no no reunion with Johnny Juzang and the Bruins. Yeah, I was looking forward. Johnny, uh, I really uh, liked the way he came on. and He really um, went through a lot of things, which all freshmen go through uh, last year. He, he came out of the tunnel. You know, you tell him there's light at the end of the tunnel. Johnny came out of the tunnel in, uh, off and on in February and March, and I thought he was poised for a big year this year. I hated to see him go. And <clears throat> As far as the change of opponents, Tom, we didn't catch a break there, buddy. We no, they did not. Break there. <laughs> we, uh, Carolina's got some weapons that – if used, and they will use them correctly, they, they're going to present some problems for Kentucky. And I I didn't see as many of those uh, weapons uh, with UCLA as I do North Carolina. Yeah, let's uh, talk about that a little bit. The only positive I saw in the exchange is that uh, UCLA is a lot more experienced than Carolina, but yep. otherwise Carolina's more talented. So uh, tell me what you see in terms of those some of those problems the Tar Heels could present. You know, living down in North Carolina, knowing uh, Roy Williams, Eddie Fogler, and all those guys from back in the day, I follow them pretty closely. I've watched them twice. <laughs> of course, Brooks is the preseason player of the year in the ACC at the low post. Big, strong kid, got a I mean, strong kid. They got a nice touch. They bring Baycott in. He also, both of them, rebound the offensive glass just really well. And they're strong guys, so they're powerful guys. And you know, we we struggle with guys like that because uh, our guys are tall and skinny and long. Okay, and uh, these guys are experienced. They're powerful players. Powerful players. They play to those strengths. And it's going to be a tough matchup inside. It's going to test our young fellas. And uh, on the perimeter, they're, they're two rookie guards, freshman guards, Love and Davis now. Uh, those two guys, 
have uh, really had an impact so far this year for Roy at the guard spot. And uh, they kind of alternate. They both share the point guard spot. And, Tom, we struggled at uh, a lot this year keeping uh, guards out of the paint off the bounce. This will be a real test for our guards. And, and going back to anybody on the team, but in particular, Sar, I would imagine Roy Williams is in Chapel Hill right now planning to attack Sar uh, when when they have the ball, trying to get him into foul trouble. And Olivier has got to be careful. Uh, Cats need his offense, and it's going to be a challenge uh, keeping him out of foul trouble against two two solid big guys that are experienced. Yeah, I was just looking up uh, Olivier's numbers against Carolina, uh, and uh, it's the Olivier's third straight game playing an ACC school, so playing against teams that he played multiple times last season. The first time yeah. they played uh, the Tar Heels last year was uh, February the 11th. He only played 13 minutes. He had uh, six points, uh, did not get into foul trouble, so uh, I'm not sure what was the deal was with the minutes. Second time, he played 24 minutes, scored 12 points in five of eight shooting, had 11 rebounds, so a much better game, but he did have four fouls, so he had some foul issues there. Um, the, uh, the, the big fella... Uh, will be a, a real uh, Brooks, more so than Baycott. Baycott, you know, he's rough offensively, uh, but Brooks pretty good offensively, and uh, they use that as a key part of their offense. Now, the good news for Kentucky is Kyle always wants his teams to run, push the ball, push the ball. How many times have you heard that? Well, you're not going to get a team in North Carolina that's going to slow off you. They'll run with anybody, as we well know from – a couple years out in Vegas, time when Monk went off for what, 45, 46? 47, 47. yeah. 47. Yeah, that was an up and down game, brother. And it was a fun game. And uh, so, Carolina, that's their strength. Their guards, young guards, seem to be under, under control, making pretty good decisions, although they have turned that over, those guards have more than probably Roy wanted. But uh, we're, we're faced with a situation that we're going to be in a in a running a running ball game, you got to really be careful with the ball. And you know, Kentucky was better last week at that with eleven turnovers. But before that, obviously, you know, taking care of the basketball was a big issue. And it's going to be interesting now. They've had another full week of uh, and extra practice time to uh, work on Terrence Clark. So, how much improvement do we see with him as the primary ball handler? I would think it would be significant. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really interesting development, isn't it? And uh, you know, Cal uses the reference to Derrick Rose. And what I what I see Tom really being a problem possibly with this team is you lose your confidence. You're one in four start. And what are you going to do with your confidence? Can can you gather yourself and not worry about the past? Put that out of your mind. Concentrate on the present. Concentrate on getting better. Doing the things that the coaching staff wants you to. You hear Cal talk about stay the game plan. You've got to get into a, a mental mode that, look, I'm not going to worry about the past. I'm going to think about the future. What do I have to do to make myself better? Where do I want to be? How do I get there? Yeah, you make a really good point about confidence. We are talking about that with Kyle Tucker on the show yesterday, actually, because um, it's one thing, you know, you <laughs> should get better. I mean, I'm confident they will, but you've got to have some payoff for 
uh, the work you're putting in and uh, to to build that confidence. And that's that's wins. Plus, they yeah, obviously need to start getting wins for the NCAA tournament resume. But just for confidence, uh, you need to have that success that uh, is the payoff for the work. It's, it, exactly. It's just like the shooter. He wants to see the ball go, go through the nets. He, he wants to see. He wants to pop the bottom up, as they say, with a pure swish. Then he says, "Hey, I can make these. I'll make some more." Well, you get a W now. You break the four-game losing streak, okay? And you feel a whole lot better about yourself. And uh, that—that's—that's that's the way. You know, college basketball. A good team gets better every month: November, December, January, February. You get into March, and you hope you're at your peak. You hope you can maintain that. But we didn't have a November, okay? Our November's now. And uh, so to work ourselves out of this one and four mentality that everybody's talking about around you, you got to, you know, push that away, not listen to that. We need a couple W's. What's the script for Boston to get his game on track? What's that script look like? He's got to get more engaged, I think. I think uh, he, he's got to decide that, look, I, I don't need the ball to make things happen for this team to win. That goes back to what I said about what do I have to do to get better and the team help the team get better well he, he's got to decide that he can play without the ball you know he rebounded well to start the season Tom and you know he, he can shoot the ball he's you know he's struggling with his shot too but he's got to play more defense he's got to get paint touches not settle for the quick tray and get to the foul line I, I yeah, think that's, last- that's that's the one for me that I'd love to see him do that we only got there like six times against uh, Notre Dame, okay? Six times. And the first half, we were settling for jump shots. We weren't driving the ball. And uh, we've got to be aggressive. We've got to attack, try to draw some fouls. And part of his game, I think, will shake out then. And he'll decide that, hey, I can be a major factor here by doing these things, not worrying about scoring the ball. That'll happen. Yeah, you and I have talked about this often over the years, this show and, and in other spots about you look at uh, all the great scores and a common theme was that they got to the free throw line and you know you get you kind of have a a plan for you know how you're going to get points you, you know you get a couple of buckets on runouts you get to you know six eight points at the free throw line you get uh, you know you make a three and all of a sudden it's not like you have to you know uh, create 20, 20 shots to get your points they just kind of uh, happen for you, and he's uh, seemed like in, you know in the last couple of games, uh, and he, he did hit a big three late, but he's taken too many of the shots he's struggling with, and he's not getting to the line to get some easy ones. Shot selection when you're struggling from the perimeter, the only thing you can do outside of being in the gym at night shooting, okay, that's a given. But in a game, you've got to get closer to the hoop. You got to draw some fouls, get to the charity strike. If you're a good shooter there, I think he is. You know, you're going to get confidence seeing the ball going through the nets. I don't care whether it's from the outside, the paint, or the charity strike. You have to mentally see the ball go through the hoop. That just reinforces your confidence, and he's got to figure out how to do that. And I think it, shot, it starts with shot selection. Going to be uh, back to, to Terrence Clark. Uh, I, I saw some signs of. You know some flashes of uh, potential that could be there as a point guard. Other times, you know, he left the left his feet. This cows talked about without knowing what he was going to do. There was another time we talked about this on the air too. Where they were out on a break and he gave up the ball too early. 
uh, and uh, they missed an opportunity for what should have been an easy basket there. Um, so you know, some of this is, you know, he's not a guy that's played a whole lot of point guards. So uh, there's some of it that's instinctive, right? And in others, other it has to be learned through trial and error. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, I played forward at Kentucky and went to the pros and got moved to guard. Looking at the game from, from the guard position, totally different from the wing or, or the forward spot. And he's, he's got to, uh, just relax, let, let himself be coached by Calipari and his staff and figure it out. It, it, that's why it's going to be such an interesting, uh, situation, Tom. You, you're juggling developing this fella into a Rose-type guy, in Calipari's words, but still not losing the confidence of uh, Askew and Mint. They, they still have to be in the loop somehow to develop themselves also. So I mean, it, it's a balancing act the Cats are going through there at that position. On Twitter, it's at MikePratt22. You'll hear him with uh, me and our uh, engineer, Jim Barnhart, with the call of Kentucky, North Carolina, starting at 1230 Eastern with the pregame show with Buzz and Goose on uh, Saturday. Thank you, Mike. Okay, buddy. Mike's weekly visits to the program presented by Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. You can check them out at boonesbutchershop.com. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. Justin Rowland joins the program when we return. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline and bring on Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. We'll get uh, deeper into the signing class uh, in our next segment, Justin, but just off the top at a listener asking about Joko Willis, the junior college linebacker that had been committed, and I saw you uh, posted something about this that uh, doesn't look good for him ending up in Lexington. Is that right? Yeah, um you know, everything looked good with him for a long time. There's always a little uncertainty with, with a junior college guy because he's away from home, and there's all kinds of influences, and schools are recruiting. There's tons of schools recruiting at that at that place. Um, and you got towards the end of the process, and apparently, you know, it got around that he was talking about some other schools, and I think as they were trying to clear that up, you know, they, they were also noticing that he still had some work to do in the classroom. They really needed a linebacker in the spring for depth issues, and he wasn't going to be a mid-year guy. And with all of those questions, they just said, okay, if you want to go somewhere else, we're going to look at some other guys to recruit. And that's my understanding of how it played out. We'll get more into the signing class and also the new offensive coordinator for Kentucky football when we come right back with Justin Rowland Cats Illustrated. Now on Twitter, it's at Roland Rivals, and this is the Leach Report Radio Network. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. From the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, it's the second half of the Leach Report for a Thursday. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to continue our chat with Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. A little breaking news, as expected, Eric Wolford is the new O-line coach at Kentucky. He had coached the offensive line at South Carolina. Uh, long uh, history as a coach. Uh, had a successful run as the head coach at Youngstown State before he went to South Carolina. Uh, he and Mark Stoops actually worked together on the Arizona staff uh, for a time. So uh, what's your take on that hire? I think he checks a lot of the boxes. You know, 
initially some of the some of the fans on social media have pushed back saying well has South Carolina's offensive line really been that good and it's just hard to judge a position coach you know in a vacuum like that there's there's all kinds of context that we don't know about you know they had one of the nation's leading rushers in Kevin Harris this year he's got extensive experience as a power five coach and recruiter in the SEC he's been a head coach before I think anytime you can get a piece of that on the staff um, you know that makes you better and he's obviously somebody that Mark Stoops is very comfortable with, and Stoops likes hiring guys that he's that he's comfortable with. So you know it's going to be a big transition for Kentucky's offensive line next year, and uh, and they obviously think he's he's the right guy to lead it. Uh, as far as Stoops' comfort level, uh, he in finding his offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach in uh, Liam Cohen, he went to a guy uh, as he. Uh, mentioned in uh, the last radio show that we did on the UK network, you know, for his defensive coordinators, it, it wasn't guys that he had, uh, you know, worked with or known previously. And that's what you have here. But uh, I was reading uh, a story by Kyle Tucker and Bruce Feldman at the athletic that just came out about um, the interview with Cohen and Stoops. And he did seem Stoops did seem to get comfortable quickly with Cohen. Yeah. Yeah. We asked, um, whether it was important to, to know the guy personally, you know, the coordinator. He said, not personally, just know what you're getting. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like people in the NFL have a high opinion of, of Cohen, and, and, you know, he obviously has, has impressed a lot of the right people. And it helps that guys like Jonathan Cooley, who had been at Kentucky, before, you know, in the past, were on the staff out there so they could really get a feel for who is he really, not just who, who, who is posturing to be the offensive coordinator, but who is this guy really. And so he had a lot of good information, I think, and so that probably made it a seamless transition. For that number of, of percentage of the U.K. fan base that is maybe skeptical that uh, – the mark wants to open it up as he says he does this certainly is um you know taking a a a bold move in the direction of backing up the coach the head coach's statements yeah that's right that's right yeah i, I mean I, w- I would be hesitant to say that we know exactly what cohen is going to do with the offense you know i don't know if it's as simple as saying this is what the rams did this is what kentucky's going to do because i don't know how much of that you know, we could we could actually say was his operation, but you know, from looking at his time at Maine and also looking at what you know they've done with the quarterbacks and just general trends in the NFL, you know, it's going to be a system change. It's going to be a big system change, and I think what everybody's going for nowadays. You hear a lot of coaches across the country say this is very hard to defend an NFL passing attack, and it's very hard to defend college rushing attacks. And when he talks about marrying the run in the past, that's what he's talking about. There's pro-passing concepts, there's college-rushing concepts. I think that's what, what the project is going to be. I would think for, for quarterbacks and wide receivers, uh, they would be smiling hearing a lot of what's been said. Yeah, yeah. I talked to, to their uh, receiver signees yesterday, or two of the three, and they were really excited. I, I don't think he had to get somebody in place before signing day, but they were certainly excited. Anytime you hear... You know, this guy was with the Rams. That's that's been a successful offense in the NFL, and that's what a lot of these kids are watching more than college football. So, you know, just hearing NFL and hearing Rams, I think it, it checks a lot of boxes from the outside looking in. Kentucky has two returning quarterbacks that played just a little bit, and Joey Gatewood and and Bo Allen. Uh, can either and again, as you said, we don't know a lot about Liam Cohen's system, what it'll exactly look like. But do you think either could be successful, or does one have a significant uh, edge going in? You know, what, I, what I've been saying is I wouldn't be shocked if it was either, but I would probably give the edge to Bo Allen just because he is probably more advanced as a passer. People have been saying for a long time that he does some things like look off defenders and 
he just you know probably m- more um, identifiable intangibles in the passing game than Gatewood showed who I think was a little bit slow to come out with the ball and you know he's also not the dynamic runner I think some people were hoping for I would just say that Allen's raw passing traits are probably the, uh, the the thing that you get most excited about looking at that room let's get to uh, recruiting and Kentucky had 18 signees yesterday Stoop said he's holding some scholarships back uh, what do you think they end up uh, getting with those well, they got the the one with Justice Dingle uh, transferring in to be the Jack. I know um, just just looking at positions where they're in need, it kind of matches up with what I've heard. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you know Brian Hudson, who's in the transfer portal, four star offensive lineman from Kentucky. I think Kentucky and Louisville are both looking at him. Uh, I think they'll get a couple of receiver transfers. You know who that is? I don't know. I don't even know if, if you know. There's a fine line between guys who are in the portal and guys have made it known that they're going to be in the portal. And um, you know, I think they're probably going to add another linebacker because they didn't get Joko Willis. So linebacker, offensive line, receiver, these are all areas that they could target uh, in the portal. Justice Dingle, you mentioned transfer from Georgia Tech, uh, brother of the uh, tight end recruit from Bowling Green, and uh, he was very highly regarded out of high school, right? Yeah, he was. He was. He's a much different player now. He's he's much bigger than he was. I think Georgia Tech has him at like six three two eighty. He was in high school. He was like fifty pounds off that or forty pounds off that. And you know, he he was recruited to a three four defense when Paul Johnson was there. And then when Collins went to Georgia Tech and turned into a four three, he was kind of caught in the middle. You know, there's good tweeners, hybrids, and there's bad tweeners, guys who just don't have a position. He kind of fell into the latter camp. And so they beefed him up, moved him to defensive end, and they beefed him up some more and moved him to defensive tackle. So it's been like a less less successful Josh Pascal experience for him, and I think that they, they want to give him a shot at Jack. But he's going to have to slim down a little bit for that. Yeah, I was going to say, it'll probably be a little, uh, little lighter when he's uh, ultimately plays here. But he's got to come in in the, uh, in the spring, I see, so um, that will uh, help as much as, you know, we'll see, I guess, by the spring how much they get to do. Uh, even wonder if they maybe try to push back spring practice if it starts to look like the situation could get better by April because generally Kentucky is, uh, you know, there was a time when uh, a lot more of the spring practice was in April. Now, you know, uh, most of it's done in March. Yeah, you would hope. They w- I mean, there's not going to be the urgency to have the spring practice at X time that there was with the season. And so hopefully they're, they're looking at contingency plans for that already. Uh, let's... Uh, Got one other thing as far as the recruits, and did they um, yeah hit the check the boxes they needed to check with this class? In your opinion, this is um I mean this is it's kind of an unsexy class. You know, it doesn't have the ranking, it doesn't have the headliners, but what it does have is a lot of depth. You don't look at the guys at the bottom of the class and say, I don't know if they're SEC players. I don't think they're bringing one guy in who is, you know, questionable as an SEC athlete. And so there's not a whole lot of difference when you look at the guys at the bottom of the class and the guys at the top of the class. And, you know, the most important immediate need was to get receivers. And I think, you know, aside from the Armand Scott decommitment, you got to feel good about Dekel Crowdis and Christian Lewis and Chauncey Magwood. Other schools wanted those guys. Other Power 5 schools wanted them. And, uh, you know, maybe not play right away guys, but they'll make the room better in the long run. A basketball question. I know uh, you guys do a, get access to a lot of uh, analytics through your associations and, uh, with rivals. Um, anything noteworthy that uh, was better or worse in Kentucky's performance against Notre Dame? 
Yeah, I haven't really dug into the analytics about, about the Notre Dame game yet just because of the coaching search and, and signing day and everything. But, you know, just looking ahead to this weekend against North Carolina, what an interesting change. You know, probably doesn't make their, their path, you know, back to 500 any easier because UNC's kind of, um, I mean, they're big, they're physical, and their guard play has been better than Kentucky so far. So it's going to be an inter- interesting game this weekend. Justin, thank you much. Thanks a lot. This is Justin Rowland. CatsIllustrated.com uh, on the Rivals Network. It's at Roland Rivals. I think they've got a, uh, a special going on right now that uh, you need to check out at CatsIllustrated.com to uh, get access to uh, their content at a good deal. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. They still have their heated patio seating, but you can go back inside now and dine there. Voted the top breakfast in Lexington for seven years running in the Herald Leader Reader's Choice poll. You'll find them in Hamburg and in Palomar. And pick up a Wild Eggs gift card and get a $5 one for yourself at Wild Eggs of Lexington. We'll be right back. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com online. Bring on Keith Farmer from WLEX-TV here in Lexington, co-host with Mary Joe Perino of uh, BBN Tonight. Weeknights at uh, 7.30 on the UK TV network. Keith, let's start with uh, the new offensive coordinator and your reaction to the hire Mark Stoops made. Yeah, I think it sounds like a pretty good one. I mean, they've been pretty successful in the run, especially this year with Kevin Harris. Um, So, um, you know, it's going to be a tough position to fill coming in and taking over for John Schlarman, but it sounds like they got a guy that uh, Coach Stoops both knew and respected, and um, he's you know excited to have him be part of the program now. So uh, all sounds good to me. Eric Wolford from uh, South Carolina staff. Uh, Coach Stoops has talked about his uh, his friendship with Will Muschamp. So he uh, mm-hmm. plus he knew Coach Wolford from uh, out of Arizona as well. Yeah. What about Leon Cohen as the new OC in that hire? This is real intriguing to me. I, I just uh, you know I guess everybody's loving what Sean McVay's doing out in L.A., and everybody's trying to, you know, pick an assistant away from him just to get the knowledge they have. And so I I feel like it's a great hire. I know some people probably worried, you know, he's um, not even an offensive coordinator there, but he is involved, uh, as Coach said, in some of the play calling, helping out on third down and things like that. And uh, obviously he's in there understanding the the offense in in total. And um, and so I I think it could be fun. I think it could be a, a really exciting offense, um, you know, once he gets here and gets everything implemented. I just, I'm real excited to see, you know, the thing he kept bringing up is marrying the run with the pass. And he kept saying that, and he kept talking about going downfield with the pass. And so you can tell that that's uh, an, an emphasis that they're going to have with this team. One thing about it, whether it's uh, this show or you, your all's BBN Tonight Show, uh, we have plenty now to, to talk about and to speculate upon uh, in the coming weeks uh, with basketball season underway and their struggles. And then on the football side, you've got a new offensive coordinator and what's that going to look like and who's going to be the quarterback. And also, you know, who's coming back as far as maybe uh, seniors um, that might take advantage of an extra year, who's going to transfer in and out. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, uh, of storylines to follow. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I was just thinking today of all the Zooms we have, talking to all the different coaches <laughs> today alone, uh, you know, between basketball and football. But, uh, you know, the one thing that, that you brought up that intrigues me is, is those seniors. Um, how many are going to, you know, 
want to stick around for another year. Maybe they felt like they were just starting to come into their own. Um, you know, it was obviously a tough grind, so that weighs on them. Uh, you know, another year of college football, do you just go on and start a career? Do you go on and you know, try and play uh, you know, professional football? Um, that's what, what they've got to weigh. And, you know, I, I think we might be surprised with some people. I don't know. I get that feeling that there might be one or two that decide to, you know, give it a go and come back for one more year. You know, I wonder about a guy like uh, like Josh Ali, who uh, had a nice season, but would seem to be a, a really good fit for what we're hearing from Coach Cohen. That's a good point. You know, um, he's he's one that I would think about as well. Um, again, started to kind of become the leader of this team, but with one more year, wow, he could really set himself up for a chance in, in an offense like that to get a good shot at the NFL and really open some eyes up there in the league. Um, you know, and, and I kind of think about an AJ Rose. I wonder if he might just think, "Hey, you know, I was starting to kind of, you know, get some things together towards the end of the year. We had a couple of good games at the end with him, and uh, you know, maybe he'd want to give it one more run." So, um, yeah, I think I think it'd be um, interesting to see some of these decisions. Switching to basketball, uh, what's your take on the uh, change of opponents and what that'll mean for the Cats on Saturday? Well, you know, I hope they all had, you know. Maybe they were talking about this a lot longer than us just finding out yesterday because now all of a sudden you're you're switching up uh, you know uh, your concern and and your scouting report and and how you're going to attack uh, the team uh, that you're playing. But um, it certainly makes for a marquee you know Kentucky. Well, Kentucky UCLA was too though, really, um, and, and one we hadn't seen in a while. So I was really looking forward to seeing those programs go at it. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think. You know, I, I, to me, it feels like it's going to be a tougher game. I mean, North Carolina has gotten things turned around from a year ago. Uh, they're looking like a pretty good team. Um, I think I would rather have played UCLA at this point if I was Kentucky. But, hey, let's see where they stack up and how they've worked in this uh, one week between games. Yeah, it's, uh, as I was mentioned earlier with Mike Pratt, it's the third game in a row where Olivier Saar is playing against uh, teams that he played last season. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, he's, he's all of a sudden feeling like he's back in the ACC again. And uh, he, he's, he's the one guy that really has been pretty consistent for this team. And, boy, he looked so good that last game. If he could have knocked down that, that shot, um, you know, would have been incredible. Um, but, but I was encouraged by the fact that his teammates rushed over and, you know, while he was hands on his knees, you know, wishing he had hit the shot, they came over and really, you know, pumped him up and said, hey, you know, you brought us back in this game. And, um, you know, so – uh, that was that was encouraging to see, and the way they played in the second half. The uh, the opponent probably got more difficult, but uh, the stakes are uh, no different. In that uh, Kentucky needs a win right now uh, for its NCAA tournament resume. If you're looking for, further down the road, but just uh, confidence to be able to get their season turned around um, you know you get better you work in practice you know all those things you, you do to uh, put in the work to get better but you need to pay off yeah exactly I mean I mean they just need that winning feeling to to be able to you know feel like you said like all the work they're putting in especially a week's worth of work now um, when you look at it and they and you know, they were supposed to play on Tuesday didn't get that chance now you've, you've spent a whole week uh, getting ready for the next game. And so, yeah, you want to see a little payoff. You want to feel victory. Um, and, you know, and you bring up another point, too, of, of the, the NCAA tournament. We were t- kind of talking about this in, in our BBN Tonight crew, just the feeling that, you know, 
you don't have as many games as in years past. So I wonder, you know, how many teams, what, what what's going to be that loss, uh, that, you know, amount of losses that keeps you out of the NCAA tournament this year? Um, you know, uh, because it's going to look a little bit different. You don't know that everybody's going to get every game in. Um, but again, just 27 games this year. And obviously Kentucky's already lost one. So you're right. They, they can't afford to have many more of those losses. Uh, and uh, lastly, uh, did you get a chance to watch the women's game yesterday and have a take on uh, what their issues were? I did a little bit. Um, you know, it just seemed like they didn't handle the pressure very well of uh, DePaul. And, and on top of that, DePaul was just knocking down shots. They were getting to spots, getting open looks, and, um, you know, it was kind of unfortunate that they they made a run back, Kentucky did, a couple of times, even late, they, uh, I think, cut it to three with about, I don't know, 25 seconds or so and um, just couldn't make the stop on the other end to get the ball back. So, um, you know, be a learning lesson. Um, they'll come back from it. Uh, it was a ranked team in DePaul. So um, I think Chastity Patterson, though, and Drown Edwards are really starting to take over this team. And, you know, it'd be good to see Ryan Howard especially step up. Um, she kind of had a rough game yesterday, I think. At 1.7 turnovers, I'm not sure what she finished with, but Keith, um, but had had a rough finish. Thank you much for the time. Okay, that's Keith Farmer. Uh, Keith and Mary Joe Perino host the BBN Tonight Show, um, and uh, you can check out the latest edition of the Behind Kentucky Football Podcast with Curtis Birch and uh, hear an interview with Kentucky's new offensive coordinator Liam Cohen. We'll get right back to we'll wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. Leach Report. From the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios. This day in Wildcat history, presented by the new Rave On app, 2017, out in Vegas, or exactly, I guess, December of 2016, Malik Monk went for 47 against North Carolina. He was 18 of 28 from the floor, 8 of 12 on threes. Kentucky won the game 103 to 100. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReport at gmail.com. See you next.